Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Hello and welcome to a new year and another episode of From Lab to Launch by Qualio. I'm Kelly, your host, and I'm happy to be here today. It's been a delight to share behind-the-scenes stories of some of the most innovative and advanced companies in life sciences from around the world. Before we jump in, uh, just a reminder to please rate the show and share it with your friends who are science nerds just like us. We know you have some. Also, check out the show notes if you have a story or a product that you'd like to uh, connect with us over. All right, so today we're talking to Mike Tarselli, Chief Scientific and Knowledge Officer of TetraScience. Mike was the scientific director for SLAS, a global professional society dedicated to lab automation, and an associate director at Novartis, building an external scientific collaboration platform. You can read his full bio in the show notes. TetraScience is bringing the future of scientific data to today and has built the largest integration network of lab instruments, informatics applications, CRO CDMOs, analytics, and data science partners creating seamless interoperability and an innovation feedback loop that will drive the future of life sciences and the delivery of life-saving therapeutics. We'll get into a little bit more of this now. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hello, Kelly. Thank you very much for having me. So Chief Knowledge Officer seems to be an emerging role. Can you tell us more about that role and, and a little bit about your background? Sure, I'd love to. Thank you. Uh, I'll rewind back a little bit to say, because there's a lot of weird words in there and an ampersand, which I actually asked for. Um, so the, the scientific was my very first role here at TetraScience. Um, I'll say that in its its previous evolution of, of the company, TetraScience was handling a different kind of business and was looking more in the tech side for being a cloud platform for relaying in instrumental measurements. Um, but our, our sort of real Tetra uh, journey with this cloud-based data platform has started really in earnest in 2019 to 2020. Um, and I brought I was brought in somewhere in the middle of 2020 to be our, our chief scientific officer. And of course, you say, why does a data platform need one of those? And the answer is, if you're going to serve biopharma scientists and you're going to say, hey, what do you need to do with your data? Where does it need to go? And how does it need to be integrated into discovery and development workflows so you can actually get things done? Well, then you're going to need a scientist to look at that. So um, under under this sort of title, I worked on our external integrations. I worked on our um, product marketing message. I worked on our initial stabs at our quality system, which has evolved leaps and bounds thanks to my very talented team now in the past two and a half years. Um, and then in mid-2022, actually late 2022, I was uh, very, very humbled and honored to be called our, our initial uh, chief knowledge officer as well, which means that my remit now expands past just, hey, can you get scientists to work with our platform and tell us their use cases to now more holistically, how do we train people for this new world, right? We talk about GAMP 5 second edition and, and you know, CSA procedures versus CSV. We talk about getting people into being data science literate up front. We talk about science as not just being, you know, hey, can you pour fluids together or pipette cells on a lab bench, but can you also look at the data at the back end and figure out whether your conclusions are statistically relevant, right? So how are you going to train people for that? How are you going to train people at the interface of science and tech? Um, we have a, a cute house term we call cyborgs, SCI boards, <laughs> get it? Because you got to be at that interface, like a bioinformatician, right? Or a chem informatician or a systems biologist. Um, if you can't get both of those sides, it's going to be hard for you to interact in this new world, we think. 
So, so my chief knowledge officer role allows me to expand into training and then into how we know what we know. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're, uh, we're on a similar mission here at Qualio with, um, you know, bringing data sets together and those kinds of things. Because again, from a quality systems perspective, you know, you're right, there's, there's so much data to be had out there. But if we can't, you know, see it and get it and touch it and handle it and, and process it, you know, if it's still sitting on a spreadsheet somewhere or it's in the lab, you know, on, a, on an instrument somewhere and nobody's really looking at that from a bigger picture perspective. It's amazing to me that, that we've gotten so far as an industry and yet I, it feels like baby steps from a data perspective. Yeah, it's an excellent point. You, you think about your, you know, academic training or, or if you did, you know, a postdoc or an early internship, what you were doing for, for data, quote unquote, and if you can't see, I'm making air quotes. Um, and it was, you know, you would print out a piece of paper or maybe you'd handwrite in a lab notebook or, or maybe you'd, you know, take a carbon copy or get an actual screenshot from something and send it to yourself <laughs> yeah. and move it on a USB stick, right? This is craziness. Um, and you'd say, didn't that go away in 1995? And the answer is no. Um, maybe every couple of weeks, we still have a company that will come to Tetra Science and say, hey, help me. My entire manufacturing CGMP suite is still on paper. Um, we don't yet have an MES or a LIM selected. We really need to go that direction. We're still in a CSV world. We need desperately to modernize and digitize. What can you do for us? They want to leap. They want to go two or three, you know, technological levels up in one go, right? They want to go past, yeah. past ELN and LIM. They want to go past, you know, the, the sort of clunky point-to-point -point integrations world of the 2010s. And they want to go right to cloud data. And hey, great, we're here to help you. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, um, Tetra Science's mission there, you know, solving humanity's grand challenges by accelerating and improving scientific outcomes. Uh, and as you said, you know, bringing, <laughs> bringing the industry along into 2023, that's, that's a big motion. That's a big, bold mission. Um, how, how, what are some good examples of how that's, how that's happening? Yeah. Great question. So, so mission statements are inherently big and bold. They've got to be, or else, you know, you're not going to achieve what you set out to do. So in ours, right, we want to solve humanity's grand challenges, but we're going to start the place we know best, which is biopharma, biopharma workflows, especially those in, in discovery, development, manufacturing. Um, at this time, um, 2023, not a forward-looking statement, investors, um, we are not playing in clinicals or patient data or patient safety, where we're completely eschewing that. And, and that actually sort of less complicates our space. It makes it a little easier to yeah, handle. Definitely. Right? No PHI, no PII, at least limited, if nothing else. Um, because of that, we are able to take that mission and say, can we, um, we actually just asked this in a survey of, of 500 life sciences execs who were very kind and responded to us with great, great data. Um, things emerged in there that I've never heard before. Like if, if you don't have a cloud system handling your data, you are seven times more likely to repeat experiments. That's nuts. You know, that is um, nuts. Wow. And they would, they say that you don't even have to like truncate the drug development and discovery process, you know, from its current 10 years, $4 billion to, you know, they're not looking for two years or five years. They're looking to shave off months to a year. That's something we can do, right? We can immediately have a direct impact both on those company bottom lines. You know, if Biopharma wants to save some bio bucks in order to get their development going faster and also to help accelerate things to patients, you know, um, Every two or three months, something goes in is another cohort of patient that could have been saved if that was approved earlier. So you, you, you think that data management, you know, as a strategy 
doesn't have that much impact, but it does. You know, being able to access it in a fair way, being able to get at it and and you know accelerate it, interrogate it, and then make decisions upon it to release therapeutics faster is the way to go. So so that's what we're here to do. We we do one thing and we do it well, and that take data out of systems, put it somewhere you can find it, and then put it where it needs to go in your internal systems. Nice, nice. So, uh, you know, it is the beginning of the new year. Um, what are some of your projections uh, for this space in the in this year and, and maybe into the next five to 10 years? Sure. Uh, PwC, um, much larger consulting organization, uh, has a very broad range and look, said that this is going to be the year of digitization, you know, in this space. They said this is going to be the year where everybody wakes up and says, we're in a post-COVID pandemic world. We are, you know, a, a wash in data, as you know. Um, you probably know this already, but it, we're going to take all the data that's ever been done in human history, around 50, I think it's exabytes, no, sorry, zettabytes now. Um, and we're going to literally triple that in the next five years. Um, who's going to handle all that? Right? Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, somebody's got to. And, and biopharma, by the way, in healthcare generally generates about a third of that. So this means anybody who's doing the data and integration work and storage work and computational work right now is going to literally see their work three to five X in terms of both impact and amount in the next three to five years. I mean, this means you got to get ahead of that curve. So, so this is the year where, you know, um, every pharma is going to appoint, if they don't have it already, a chief information security officer, a chief data officer, probably multiple CIOs, right? Um, and they're going to start really looking at how to take every single workflow that can be automated and trying to automate it, right? This is from robotics on the discovery side to looking at paperless trials and, and animalless testing in the development side to looking at, um, at high-end manufacturing and some VR and AR and things in the manufacturing realm. Um, all of these are things which, unsurprisingly, generates diverse data. <laughs> Got to put it somewhere. Definitely. So we're kind of hoping that that somewhere is, is Tetra Science's scientific data platform. Definitely. Well, and thank goodness that uh, we are moving into the CSA realm because, holy cow, could you imagine applying CSV principles to all of this? Admittedly. I mean, it, would, it would shut it down. It would bring it to I its knees. Admittedly, when I first started, um, I, I inherited what I could from sort of the, my predecessors in these roles. Um, and we had a couple of procedures, SOPs and policies. And we had, and an, being honest, an IQOQPQ, you know, trajectory. We just did. That was what was de rigueur in 2020. So yep. that's what we went forward with. Um, and we quickly found ourselves in a morass. We said, okay, um, so we, we we install this, we qualify it, and now somebody wants us to pass data through that's theirs and kind of do us a validation. Are we allowed to do that? I don't know. <laughs> validation isn't our responsibility, right? Can, can we admit to that? Is that a thing we can do? So we quickly pivoted upon the publishing of the new GAMP regulations to a full CSA and to saying, look, you know, there's so much going on. You maybe have, in, in a given lab, here, I'm going to ballpark this. In a given biopharma lab, they probably have somewhere between 50 and 100 different kinds of instruments going. I don't just mean vendors or, or independent. I mean kinds, you know, flow cytometers, mass specs, HPLCs, particle sizes. Yeah, yep. You got to have data coming in from all of those all the time. And you have to verify that each of those connections is operating in spec and that the platform's handling them when they come in, that no data is being duplicated or overwritten and that you have a full audit trail. Oh, and that those are publishing to where they're supposed to go. All in real time or near real time, right? How are you going to do that with a CSV approach? You, you can't have a, a human with a piece of paper looking at each independent workflow you think you might do, that they're just going to be 
you know, an explosion of options and you, you're not going to be able to have PQ on all of that. So, so the better way is to go CSA with that. Definitely. Definitely. That's a tough sell, but you know, <laughs> although I say, I say that, I mean, it's a tough time in the economy right now. Right. And a lot of founders, we, we have a lot of founders in our audience. Um, and so, you know, curious for any thoughts or advice you'd give uh, to those who might be facing some headwinds right now. Admittedly, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm a scientist. I, I'm not an economist and I'm not a titan of industry. Um, I'm, I'm doing my best uh, to learn and, and adapt my roles as we're going. But but we as an executive team here at Tetra Science are, are definitely taking the, the long run approach, right? We know what we need to do we, to deliver for our customers. We're going to be, you know, looking at absolutely every spend, every, you know, every investment, every everything very carefully because we want to be good stewards of our capital. Um, and so we're going to be, you know, in it for the long haul. Um, we, we don't we don't throw those lavish startup parties. Um, we don't give <laughs> crazy like, uh, you know, uh, fang company type salaries out at, at a whim. We, we can't, you know, we, we have to be fiscally prudent. We have to be conservative with our management strategy. But we have to keep our eye on our broad mission, right? Which is to accelerate and improve, you know, human life. You got to be around, and you got to get out of the headwinds of the economy section to do that. So, so we are we are in in buckle down, look for efficiencies, automate everything mode this year, and, and that that's going to be our our sort of canvas to play on. Yep, yep, that all sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> All right. Well, to pivot a little bit, if you could go back to the start of your career, what would you sure. tell yourself based on what you know now? Which career should I start from? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I, I, may, I maybe don't look all that old on camera if you see this on YouTube in the future, but um, I'm, I'm in my 27th year of, of working world. Um, and, and that goes all the way from, you know, uh, getting trash outside of dumpsters for my old apartment complex to washing dishes in our dining commons to you know, taking part in data entry studies in college and, you know, working as a paramedic for a little while, um, working as a hospital assistant, then working in, in labs as, as an intern, you know, and then sort of graduating into my informatics roles maybe about 10, 15 years ago. Um, but it's been, a, it's been a very interesting and varied career. Uh, so first thing I'd say is to, to younger me is don't aim at the outliers. What I mean by that is you might want to win a Nobel Prize or you might want to be a billionaire or to have your own island in Greece. But those are not the usual outcomes for 99.9% of the population. It just, they, they aren't things you get, you know? So the best you should do is to, you know, adopt a set of values, adopt a set of working norms, try to get better every year. But you're, you know, if you say at the end of your life that if you haven't won a Nobel Prize, then your life's worthless, that's probably not a great idea. Um, second thing I'd say is, is, you know, appreciate the bumps more than the ups. You know, it, it, you actually learn an awful lot in, in downturns. You learn a lot if you get fired. You learn a lot if you botch a big project or if you fail. Um, the, the old saw goes that good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. <laughs> um, yep. You know, I'm not going to say I've always made the right decision every time. I've tried, but, you know, things have not always gone my way. And I've actually learned a lot more in the things that I've, you know, failed at than I have in the things that have gone amazingly. Um, and then the third thing I just say is, you know, uh, look at what's most important. You know, um, you, you don't actually have to, again, have tons of money or five cars or seven houses or fly around the world or be a big thought leader. Um, having really committed good relationships with friends and colleagues, um, having enough without having too much, being gracious for what you have um, and knowing that you're getting better every year is, is 
well enough reward for me. So that's, that's what I tell myself. Awesome. Awesome. Those are all uh, good advice uh, for sure. Um, another fun question that I always like to ask, if uh, if I walked into Barnes & Noble, mm. uh, where would I find you? What section would you be going <laughs> Uh, you did introduce this podcast with a science nerds motif. So you're going to also find me in the scientific biographies. You know, that's the, that's the starting point. I love learning about how people before me went and how, you know, Salk was doing with his polio vaccines or how Pasteur was doing when he was, you know, looking at the sewer systems under Paris. Um, that's really neat stuff to me. Um, but I also love uh, trivia and puzzles. So you'd find me in the, in the jokes section and looking for, you know, um, the, the 17 best ways to complete crossword X. Um, I might be buying a puzzle on the wall because I also love puzzles in my free time. Um, and I just also love um, looking at broad-based nonfiction, you know, how to do X better, whether that's how to build a business better, how to build a garden better, how to do lighting better. Um, I love those self-improvement things that say, if you just did this 10-minute thing, you'd probably be doing better in your life. So probably those sections. Nice, nice. I think I'd uh, have, we'd have a lot of overlap there. That would be fun. <laughs> no, tell me yours. You should. Where was your sections? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, definitely the science type sections. Um, I love, you know, fantasy sci-fi type books. Um, you know, I, I think I have read everything Michael Crichton ever wrote, like, you know, awesome. five times. Cause yeah. Even the pseudonyms. Like <laughs> so yeah, not as much as pseudonym books, but yeah. you know, any of the ones, and the other one I always loved was, um, Robin Cook. Because mm, he was a, mm, a medical contagion. doctor, so awesome. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Great yeah, stuff. no, I, you know, my degree is in biology and chemistry as well. That's my background. So I love all the, you know, the biology and the science nerds sorts of things, which is part of what I love about this industry. And I love what you were saying about, you know, my, my goal certainly wasn't to to grow up and get rich and win a Nobel Prize. I just, honestly, I needed a good job that paid well that could support my horse habit because I have horses, <laughs> and that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, you know, but. But it's been incredibly rewarding to be, you know, 25 years into my career and getting to see some of the drugs that have made it into the market or medical devices awesome. work for some of those organizations where, you know, because I didn't want to be a medical doctor um, kind of situation, but I'm fascinated by all of those things. And so to have found this industry, I didn't even really know it existed. I mean, what, exactly. I think my, totally my, true. when I graduated from college, things said I wanted to go into uh, either medical research or be a teacher. <laughs> You know, here you are. That's what you think you're going to do with a biology degree. Right. And here we are. So, yeah, it's 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 fun. And and I again, I particularly love now here at Qualio, you know, where I used to just help, you know, I had a consulting business. So I had three or four different clients at any given time. We have over 500 customers. So I get to kind of see across what everybody's doing. And and it's so it's just amazing. It's amazing to be a part of and. And but platform economics, that. it's a real yeah. thing. Watching what happens around the world and knowing that, you know, you're looking at a dashboard for somebody's, you know, risk-based profiling who lives in, you know, Sri Lanka or Australia or South America is is craziness. And I, I love it. That's one of the aspects of my job I really, really like. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's fascinating too as well, because in our, you know, situations, then we have the opportunity to learn from those different mm-hmm. customers and locations. And help bring that broader perspective across because uh, it just benefits everyone to be like, hey, you know, I, I've seen this before. And obviously, you know, you've got to protect some confidentiality and all that kind of, of stuff. Course. But you can be like, I've seen this before. 
here's here's some ideas on how it got resolved last time I saw it, you know, and, and people can collaborate on those things and it just makes everything better. Totally awesome. I love it. Absolutely. Well, um, so where can folks go to connect with you, uh, follow along with uh, Touch Your Science Progress? Sure. So, so I am a, a LinkedIn guy. I love to post there to talk about different papers I've read, different standards and regulations, um, different things and cool um, places our company pops up and, and who we've helped success stories. So please, I'm the only Tarselli in science in LinkedIn. And that's T-A-R-S-E-L-L-I. So you know, if you can't find me, then I've done a very bad job. Um, for, for, for Tetris Science proper, we have obviously a Twitter engagement. I believe it's at Tetris Science. Um, we can be found, I believe, on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. We have several posts that um, highlight what's called our Tetra Partner Network, which is where um, other companies that are in our space, so not biopharmaceutical companies, but rather more on the software devices and hardware side, um, congregate with us and say, hey, we see this future evolving as well, and we want to be part of it. So um, we actually look at these companies as being you know, part of our extended canvas of what we can offer. And so they, they get together with us, they sign letters of intent with us, we get integration agreements together, and we start literally building APIs together or exchanging code or saying, hey, you know, let's collaborate and make Tetra built into this new version of an ELM. It's good stuff. Um, and, and then I'd say we have a very uh, good web presence. Um, you know, you can find obviously our corporate website and that's fine, but a better one for most people on here, because it's a quality audience, is looking on the resources tab of our website and looking for our GXP and our 21 CFR part 11 um, white papers. Uh, we do self audits. We do, you know, a standard package, CSA based. Um, mm -hmm. I should credit my team. They're the ones who pushed me into this world, which is good. Um, and then we have a ton of open developer documentation at developers.tetrascience.com. Um, you can see all of our API calls, all of the services we handle, all of the Python-based integrations we support, you know, where we're going next. Um, it, we try to be very open and transparent. So it's all out there in the world. Awesome. All right, Mike. Well, thanks so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's been a wonderful being here as a guest. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.